Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Tuesday, November 30th. We begin with our weekly conversation with Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. Mercedes shares with us details of her interview with the newly named Canadian Forces Chief of Defence Staff, General Wayne Eyre. Next, November 30th, is known as Giving Tuesday following Black Friday and Cyber Monday. It's a day dedicated to giving back. We meet the family of a young cancer survivor who wants you to hear their story on how they were helped by the Kids Cancer Care Foundation of Alberta. Then it's another edition of Tech Tuesday with the Gadget Guy, Mike Yanni. With Christmas just under a month away, the Gadget Guy brings us gift suggestions for the hard-to-buy-for techies on your list. And finally, it's a chance to spread some cheer just in time for the holidays. We meet Lou McNulty, the creator of a new line of stationery called Happy Just Happy. We hear Lou's inspiration for launching the new brand. And every Tuesday, we have the opportunity to speak with Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block, Mercedes Stevenson. Today is no different, and we're going to be focusing on her interview with the Chief of the Defense, uh, new Chief of the Defense Staff, General Wayne Eyre. Good morning to you, Mercedes. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thank you for taking the time. And uh, General Wayne Eyre, not a new face, and in fact, you uh, know him quite well uh, from previous dealings in the military. So can you tell us about his background for those who, who might not be aware? Sure. So I, I remember meeting Wayne Eyre, I think, back when he was um, a lieutenant colonel in command in Alberta. Um, he comes from the regiment, which lots of your listeners will be familiar with, very, very prominent out in Alberta, Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry. Um, so he's an infantry guy, uh, lots of experience overseas, very well liked by his troops. Um, and I can say I've dealt with lots of senior officers who don't have that distinction. Uh, but I know a, a lot of um, men and women who work for him both in Canada and overseas in Afghanistan, who have quite a bit of respect for him. His nickname is the Warrior Monk. Um, so when they were looking for somebody to appoint uh, around concerns about ethical behavior, um, he was certainly seen as a, as a safe bet, and they have vetted him very, very carefully. Uh, as you can tell, nothing has come forward. Um, he's really known for being a very kind of intellectual, academic kind of guy. His whole life um, is basically his family and then studying military stuff and being in command. Um, so that's how they chose Wayne Eyre. And um, a lot of the survivors who I've spoken to have said that they're they're happy with this choice. Mm. They don't feel that he's getting it perfect. They feel that there's been mistakes made. There's certainly people I've talked to who are very unhappy with certain decisions that he's made. Um, but overall, the sense that I have from most of the survivors, including um, the survivors of two of the, the very prominent cases involving former chiefs of the defense staff, uh, feel that Wayne Eyre is serious about trying to bring change and that he actually does believe that there, there's an issue that needs to be addressed. Um, so they're pretty happy with his appointment. Mercedes, maybe this is neither here nor there, and maybe I know the answer before I even ask it, but were there no female military members that were at the level where they could kind of take over and do something like this? I would think that maybe that would be something the military would look at with all the issues that have been happening, or is there is it just still an old boys network and there are no females at that level? There's no females that were, were quite at that level. Um, there were two that are sort of one level down, and that's Frances Allen, who's now the vice chief of the defense staff. She's the first woman uh, to be the second in command of the Canadian Armed Forces. Uh, Jenny Carignan, who is running the sexual misconduct response, was largely seen as the next commander of the army, um, and she's another possibility. But both of them essentially would have had to be skipped over a rank to do that. Now, 
can the prime minister do that? Sure. He can do whatever he wants when he's appointing the chief of the defense staff. But with Brenda Lucky, who's the commissioner of the RCMP, she was skipped over a rank. And it was very difficult for her. Mm. Uh, and there was a lot of folks who felt she had only been appointed because she was a woman. And she'd never handled the federal file. She struggled coming into the job. Um, and it, it wasn't um, an easy transition. I think they learned from that that... Um, Skipping a step can be really, really tough. So this was sort of the last time, however, which is interesting, that there will only be men at that rank that are available rather than someone who'd have to be skipped after only a couple of months in a job. Um, Next time, there will be qualified women, and we may finally see uh, a woman in charge as chief of the defense staff. Okay, good to know. Thanks. On the West Block on the weekend, you know, General Wayne Eyre, my impression seemed very intelligent, and and you put the question to him about the changes in military culture that need to be addressed, and, you know, he seemed to really be cognizant of this is job number one. What was your biggest takeaway from what he said should be changed? Uh, I thought it was interesting that he's talking so much about changing who the leadership is, because what we really saw in sort of this round um, of military sexual misconduct, because keep in mind it's not the first time we've talked about it being an issue, is that it was the senior leadership who was engaged. Uh, We weren't talking about corporals and lieutenants who were saying inappropriate things. We were talking about generals taking inappropriate action. So he's talking about actually changing, and we still need a lot of details on this, but changing the way they select senior leaders. Does that mean they're going to psychologically profile people? Does that mean, we know in the one case, he said they're going to talk to their subordinates and find out what's going on. Um, So those kinds of things might mean, one, that people moderate their behavior, but two, that they're not just relying on what has often been criticized as an old boys network where friends promoted friends and covered for each other and a whole bunch of people engaged in inappropriate activity, but no one would say anything because if you were the one who said something, you were the one who was not going to get your promotion. Um, And so they're looking at ways to get rid of that. That to me is interesting because that goes to the systemic issue of whether you're choosing the right leaders for the institution. Let's change gears a little bit and talk about the military helping in the recovery efforts in BC ongoing right now. And a lot of discussion around the fact that we're removing military members to do something like that and and taking them away from other jobs when the military is already really kind of run thin at this point. Is that something that's being discussed much within the ranks? Certainly the strain. Um, I think the military accept being used in natural disasters. That That is one of their basic roles. The COVID stuff was weird, right? When they're being used mm-hmm. with COVID, um, that was highly unusual. We'd never seen anything like that. Um, there's actually an ongoing operation that's called Oplentis usually, and it deals with any kind of domestic support. So there's always some kind. But right now, because there's so many natural disasters and they're so significant and they're happening at opposite ends of the country, um, on top of deployments, there's a lot of stress and there's been a lot of people getting out and general air actually talked about that a lot of the mid-level leaders are just kind of sick of it and it's not not the natural disasters that are the problem for them. Uh, it's culture. It's a lot of other things they're identifying that they've just had enough and they're choosing to discharge. Um, that is leaving the Canadian Armed Forces without the number of personnel they'd like. They've also had trouble recruiting because of the pandemic and getting people in. Um, so they're certainly stretched thin right now. They have been before. Uh, the Army in particular really surged around Afghanistan. A lot of people joined. A lot of people wanted to be a part of that. It's now been a largely peacetime army. And between that and the cultural issues and a whole bunch of other things, we're seeing the ranks shrink. Let's talk about the another topic when it comes to the pandemic, the vaccination. The vaccination status of um, Canadian military members, where is that at? And what does uh, General Wayne Air think about the, the status of where we're at with the numbers? 
So if you're in the Canadian Armed Forces, you have to get the shot. Um, And there are some people who do not want to get the shot. And there's a big question mark about what's going to happen to them. We know that at this point, because I've talked to individuals um, who have chosen not to get the shot that this is happening with, they're not allowed to go into work. The next step starts being various forms of administrative action, potentially right up to a discharge or dishonorable discharge, which would be huge. I mean, a discharge ends your military career. A dishonorable discharge is unthinkable for a lot of these guys. Uh, and women who have chosen to say mm-hmm. no to the shot. And, and basically, General Eyre wouldn't answer whether or not it was true that there is a possibility there could be a dishonorable discharge. Um, but he said, look, if you join the military, you have to accept you have to be deployable. You're not deployable if you won't get the shot. Um, therefore, if you join an institution whereby you have to get all kinds of shots and you have to do what you're told and you don't do what you're told, we will not consider you be operational. That affects us and therefore we'll take action. But it still kind of remains to be seen what will happen. Um, I've talked to a couple of people who you know, were in for 20 plus years and this could actually be the end of their military career. Mm. Wow. We'll follow it with you. Thanks so much for joining us. As always, have a great day. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. Oh, on this Giving Tuesday, and the parents of a five-year-old cancer survivor are sharing their family's story in hopes that it will prompt you to dig deep today on this Giving Tuesday. Joining us this morning are Terry and Nathan, the parents of five-year-old Sebastian. Good morning to you both. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Morning. Okay, Tara, you call him Bash, so we'll refer to Sebastian as Bash. I know that's his nickname. So tell us how and when you learned that your son had cancer. It must have been devastating for you. Yeah, so uh, it was just after Christmas, uh, almost five years ago. So we're just coming up on that five-year anniversary. And uh, yeah, I noticed his stomach was hard on one side and it wasn't normal. I didn't think it was right. So I called HealthLink and they told us to take him to emergency. So uh, yeah, we waited in emergency for almost nine hours and uh, doing multiple tests and blood work and all kinds of things. And uh, yeah, they told us he had leukemia. You know, Nathan, a very difficult time. Uh, I can only imagine you reach out and find out about Kids Cancer Care. What was your, you know, your first impression and what did you learn when you called Kids Cancer Care? Um, we first ran into them at the hospital. Um, they would do pizza nights and that's kind of where we met other parents that were involved with it and learned a little bit more about what they did for kids that were going through treatment. And, uh, you know, it, it was really special to, to know that they had access to that because we spent so much time stuck in a hospital room attached to a, a pole. So, yeah. T- Tara, can you even imagine what it would be like having dealt with his, his, Bash's cancer without having kids' cancer care? Like, you know, someone to help you sort of maneuver the system and, and deal with the issues that you'd be going through day by day? Uh, I, I honestly, I don't know what it would have been like. It's It's such a great support system that you don't even know you need until it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, you folks are on this path and I'm wondering now, is it a case that you've, you've made enough contacts that it's a community when you're dealing with kids, cancer care and, and other families, is, is that part of the, the journey and a part of the comfort is other families are, are in the same or similar situation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like it's, it's hard to, you know, talk about, what these kids go through and and it's nice to have other kids that Sebastian can relate to once he's a little bit older and and same for us too we can kind of talk through our journeys and 
you know, have that outlet where someone completely understands what you're going through. And it's, it's nice to have that space to, to connect with people like that, too. Tara, talk a little bit about, you know, how a childhood cancer is rarely over when the treatments stop. So how important is the money, particularly today on this Giving Tuesday, how, how important is this money donated to kids' cancer care? It's honestly, it's so important. Like, uh, Sebastian has uh, follow-up appointments that he goes to still. He gets blood work done. Um, he has a blood clot that he got from uh, his treatment that we have to get checked every year and make sure it's, you know, not changing and that he's okay. Uh, so, you know, it's really important for him to have these magic moments where he, you know, can forget about the treatment stuff. And you know, it is, it is a personal story. So I appreciate you folks sharing mm-hmm. it and, uh, you know, telling us about your experience with kids' cancer care. But also, uh, one of the reasons you're sharing your story, Nathan, from what I understand, is, is to raise funds. Tell us about this $100,000 goal and the matching aspect, if you can. Yeah, so um, right now, up until today, um, any donations that, that people make to Kids Cancer Care are being matched, so it's effectively doubling your, your donation, um, and up to $100,000 will be matched. So it's, it's a great way to, to increase the, your donation amount and make an even bigger difference. That's huge. And Nathan, we just got word you're at 41,000, not you, Kids Cancer Care, but what you're doing for them at 41,000 of that $100,000. So up to $100,000 will be matched. That's huge for a charity to have your dollars doubled. Uh, Tara, is, is Bash there with you? How's he doing these days? Yeah, he's uh, he's actually with Nathan on the phone over there, uh, but he's, he's doing great. He's in kindergarten. He's... Uh, growing so much and it's it's just crazy to see and think you know what could have been mm. um you know uh, it's kind of scary to think that way but yeah we're, we're so glad and grateful that he's here and we like to celebrate those moments for sure absolutely nathan is is bash a chatty guy is he with you right now and can you talk to us uh yeah he's just looking out the window waiting for the <laughs> recycling truck to come by oh he likes trucks does of course he? he does oh he loves the garbage truck so <laughs> so let's get bash on the line here i got a question for him Hello? Bash, you there? Hi. Hi, Bash. This is Andy and Sue from uh, Mornings with Sue and Andy. I've got a question for you. You're in kindergarten, is that right? You're in kindergarten yeah. now? What's, what's your favorite thing about kindergarten? What's your favorite thing when you go to kindergarten? Sit in a circle. Oh, yes. and reading books, I bet. Well, wave to the recycling truck when it comes by for us, okay, Bash? We're great. We're happy that you're feeling good and you're at home with your parents and having a wonderful day. I love it. That's It's really Bye. important. Bye, Bash. Hey, Tara, this is uh, really key that you and Nathan join us to talk about what Kids Cancer Care does. It's an amazing charity, and we'll send folks to the website, kidscancercare.ab.ca. Uh, if you could send send a word out to, to the people who are listening right now and, and ask them to, to give today on this day, what, what would you say? Uh, this is your chance to help continue making these magical moments for kids like Bash and other families that are going through this. Um, honestly, the, the memories that he's had from the different um, things that we've done, like they do the Polar Express that we just went to a couple of days ago. Um, they have learned to ski days. They have camp. Um, Sebastian still talks about riding the bus to camp um, when he was three. Um, so it's just these, these magic moments that he has that he remembers that kind of erase all of the other things that he's gone through um, that get us through. Good stuff. Thank you so much for sharing your story and uh, for, for you, Nathan and Sebastian, joining us this morning. Appreciate it, Tara.
Appreciate it. Yeah, Nathan. thanks for having us. Thank you. It's Tara and Nathan and, of course, their son, Sebastian. More details on what you can do to help out and what they offer at kidscancercare.ab.ca. It's hard to beat the gift of technology over the holidays. Year after year, electronics continue to be in high demand. But what if those on your gift list already have the latest and greatest what do you give that person who already has just about everything? Well, technology specialist, as we like to call him, the gadget guy, Mike Yanni, is here to help you impress that tech lover in your family, that hard-to-buy-for one. Good morning to you, Mike. Good morning. You know, I thought about coming on and talking about the must-have holiday gadgets. But those seem to be the same every year. You know, TVs, <sighs> Xbox Series X, PlayStation 5, AirPods. So I want to do something different, thinking outside the box. So I've got a few for you. Are you guys ready? Lay it on us. Okay, and this first one is going to seem like a strange gift because it's a toaster. But I'm going to tell you, this high-tech toaster does something that no other toaster does. It toasts with water. Say what? Yeah, it's the Balmuda toaster. The idea here is that the toaster won't dry out your toast. So you want it to be crunchy on the outside but still soft and springy on the inside, right? So it uses a small amount of water to create steam during the toasting process, and that keeps it in, uh, soft. But then in the final moments, it cranks up the heat to create that crunchy bite on the outside. People swear by this. They claim that it freshens up store-bought bread and it keeps the artisan bread, like sourdough, tasting like they were fresh from the bakery. You can also, it's almost like a, a toaster oven, so you can use it to reheat pizza and all that. Uh, it's a bit pricey because it's only available in the States. That being said, you can get it on Amazon Canada. And if you know somebody in the States, so it's probably cheaper to get it shipped up from south of the border. Balmuda toaster. I think I might need one of those. Okay, let's talk about uh, for the art lover. What have you got? Yeah, this is essentially living artwork. It's called Mural Canvas 2, and it's basically an enlarged digital photo frame. But this is where it's a little bit different. You subscribe to a service, and you get access to thousands of famous artwork that can be displayed on your wall. Plus, you can use your own photos if you don't want to pay for a subscription, uh, or maybe you want to display those NFTs that you've been uh, buying up, Andy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nonstop. Uh, <laughs> got a lot of those. <laughs> right. And, of course, all controlled through an app on your smartphone, and you can have that artwork changed throughout the day. So it's kind of cool. cool, and it's a little bit bigger than a, a normal digital picture frame. It's about two feet uh, by a foot and a half. That's kind of neat. I like that yeah, idea. I do like yeah. that. You, you know, and those NFTs, you got to put them somewhere. <laughs> Let's right? talk about uh, something for, you know, perhaps the teens or the pre-teens. Nanoleaf, this sounds creative, and at the same time, it can change their space. Yeah, have you heard about this company before? It's Canadian. Yeah, I've, I've heard, but I don't know much about it. Yeah, they're basically they're small light panels. They're LED light panels that stick to the wall, and they come in various shapes. There's triangles, hexagons, there's rods and squares, and you, you basically piece them together. You create a design. They just stick to the wall with that 3M command strip, so you can replace them over and over again. And then you use an app from your phone, and then you decide the colors that you want them to light up. So you can do color waves and patterns. There's, you know, about 16 million colors they can change. This is extremely popular on YouTube and TikTok. They always have them in the background. Uh, you can create some, and it's a gift that keeps on giving because you can always change the look and feel of your room. And we all know teenagers like to spend a lot of time in the room. And it's a Canadian company, so it's kind of cool. That's neat. I'm just looking them up. It looks really cool, like really interesting because you see a lot of those strip lights, but this is something way beyond that. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I, like I, we, it. I, bought, I bought them for my son uh, last year, and they're on every day. Okay, let's talk about for even younger than the teens. We've got something called, called the Smart Super Cube. Yeah, it's like a Rubik's Cube, but this one is connected to an app, of course, like everything is these <laughs> days, to your smartphone, and it can track your progress as you solve it, maybe even give you hints and show you how to solve it. 
Uh, I know I need all the hints I can. Mm-hmm. I cannot solve one of those. Uh, but also, it, once you, you know, once you know how to beat a Rubik's cube, you know how to beat them. But this one can create challenges for you and then time you. It tracks all of your stats, how many twists to take, how many, how much time it's taken. So I think that's a pretty cool gift for those who are a little bit on the younger side too. Santa's little helper, uh, Mike Yanni, <laughs> you've done it again. We appreciate it. And yeah, some of those folks have got all the gadgets. Now we got some great ideas. Thank you so much, sir. My pleasure. It's Mike Yanni, the Gadget Guy. You can find him on social media at Gadget Guy. Mike, also his YouTube channel. Search Gadget Guy Mike Yanni on YouTube. And when he's dressed up like an elf in those tights, adorable. And a Canadian illustrator is spreading cheer from coast to coast with the launch of her purpose-driven stationary brand called Happy Just Happy. Joining us now to spread some happy is Lou McNulty. Hi, Lou. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Well, you know what? When you call something happy, just happy, we love to (laughs) spread it and cheer and talk about it because uh, we don't have enough of that in our world these days. So tell us about your cards and what inspired the designs. Absolutely, thanks. Um, Like you said, we are a purpose-driven stationary brand and our mission really is to spread joy and promote social change through what we call shareable art. Um, so you, you'll see that our cards will include our traditional celebrations that you're used to seeing, like birthdays and holidays. But our specialty really focuses on encouragement and love and friendship. So we focus on mood-boosting messages, like uh, you're amazeballs and you've got great <laughs> ideas and stuff like that. So we, we really pack our illustrations with a lot of bold colors because we know, you know that color, color has such a powerful impact on our emotions. Um, and, you know, inspired for me, you know, stationary has always just sort of been that great thing where you could just reach out to someone, say you're thinking of them, whether it's big or small. And I've always found like when we, when we do that, we extend our hearts to people. And in doing so, we kind of create this pathway that forms a community of caring. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think like everybody this, this last few years, we've all seen the effects that, that the pandemic has had on everyone's, um, state of mind and so this was really an opportunity for me to launch the brand at this particular time um just with the the idea of spreading joy and optimism spreading joy and optimism and also a charity component you're giving away 10 percent of the proceeds tell us about where you're directing that to lou thanks yeah i'm directing them to uh, a wonderful canadian charity called jack.org and they're our only charity that trains and empowers young leaders um, really to revolutionize mental health and so their focus is, is on education and advocacy. So what they really want to do using personal stories is they train and they inspire youth to look out for themselves and to look out for each other. And I think like so many people, we, we saw the effects that, that the pandemic had on young people, this, this sense of social isolation and anxiety. And so that, that really inspired me to launch the brand at this time, but especially to reach out to the folks at Jack.org. And from the moment I met with them, you know, we, we felt like we were so aligned with the brand and with their message. So it was just, it was such a great opportunity for me to be able to give back in that way. And, and they do such incredible work. I love everything about this. We're going to direct people to your website, happyjusthappy.com. Check out the cards and uh, order. It's a great way to support mental health initiatives and, and just get a, a you know perhaps a smile on your face. Thanks for joining us, Lou. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Have a great day. Lou McNulty is a Canadian illustrator. Again, the line of cards, you can find them at happyjusthappy.com. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. 
Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 5:30 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.